Psalm 84 is just, it is absolutely pregnant, just pregnant with uh, life and with um, uh, powerful illustrations and uh, that, that speak of great powerful spiritual truths. And it's all about God's dwelling place and being there with him. And so here we go, Psalm 84, verse 1 through 3. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home in the swallow, a nest for herself where she may lay your young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. So God's home attracts even the swallows and the sparrows. They want to build their nest as close as they can to the altar of God because there's safety there. They rear their young there. There's a sense of safety and home in the presence of God. You know, <clears throat> there's only one thing that makes churches powerful, and we should be powerful. When we read in Acts, the church of Acts was powerful, it was influential. But you have to really look and be honest to find out what makes churches powerful. The only thing that makes churches powerful it's not skilled preaching. It's not polished music production. Uh, it's not an array of social services. The only thing that makes a church powerful, are you ready for this? Would you like to know? Yeah, you don't want to go to a weak church, do you? You want to go to a powerful church. Me too. Um, strong Christians. Strong Christians are the only element that makes a church, nothing else makes a church strong. I don't care what you do, what you have, how much money, how big, how large, how, how sophisticated, even how awesome the preaching or teaching happens to be. The lives of strong Christians who gather there, they are what make a strong church. Always remember that. And remember that in order to bind the power of a church, the devil only has to do one thing. He only has to concentrate on one area if he's going to sap the power and the strength of a church and bind it so it's ineffective. And guess what that is? Keep Christians weak, not strong. Keep them weak by oppressing them at home. It's not coming in and interfering with the service. It's not having a dull service and then an exciting service. The thing that makes churches weak takes place not here where we meet on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, it takes place in your house and mine. So to bind the power of a church, the devil only has to do one thing. Keep Christians weak by keeping them off guard and oppressed at home. Think about it. Satan attacks the church, not in the Sunday services, but in the homes of its members. If you're a note taker, you may want to write that down. Satan attacks the church in the homes of its members. Listen, if we are really serious about shutting down Satan's strategies against us, then let's learn to be at home with God in our own house. That is the heart of what I want to say to you this morning. Learn to be at home with God. Learn what David wrote in Psalm 84. Oh Lord, your altar is my home. Practice that 
Do whatever you need to do to make that happen in your house. I don't know whatever your street address is, but once you step onto your property, you ought to be stepping onto holy ground. You ought to be stepping onto a place that the devil is afraid to walk up to your front door, much less enter your house. Learn to be at home with God. You know, everyone who knows our Heavenly Father, everyone who knows our Heavenly Father, we all have different uh, insights through the word that God gives us about himself, but the one common sense that we all have who know the Father, who know Jesus, is we know this one thing about him. God is paternal. He's familial. He's communal. God loves being with us. Jesus loves being with people. He absolutely is attracted to people. God so loved the world that he came we sometimes read that scripture in John 3.16 to get the idea that the Father and the Son are not the same. And that uh, the, the Father so loved the world, but he sent a representative. But it was the Father in Jesus. He says to Philip before he's betrayed, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything about Jesus lets us know that God is paternal, that God is familial, that God is communal. God seeks. He doesn't like being alone. Can I say that? God doesn't like being alone. God likes having communion with us. Imagine marrying somebody. Don't, don't anyone raise your hand. Uh, imagine marrying somebody that... that um, you started off your relationship in a, a full of expectation and hope, but at some point along the way, that relationship has just gotten brittle and cold, and the two of you don't ever tell each other that you love each other. You don't discover. The discovery of one another has stopped, and now you're just kind of roommates. And it's a horrible feeling. It, it is awful feeling, and there are millions of people trapped in marriages like that, and they're looking everywhere to try to find a way out of that situation. Now, it's no doubt, I know you're sitting thinking, this is a Valentine's Day message. The pastor's slipping in a Valentine's Day. Well, maybe. Uh, it worked out like that. It was only after the Lord had given me this message that I realized, oh, this is going to fall on the day before Valentine's Day. But that's all right. I think it's appropriate because you are Jesus Valentine. He loves being with you, and we need to understand that about him. Or it's not going to make sense to us why we should make our home an altar for God. So like the sparrow, like the swallow who build their nest as close as they can make it to the altars of God, you need to make your home into the altar of God. Your house, your own home should be a place where the praises of God are flowing and where the people of that house are praying together, rejoicing and singing together, not separately going their own ways, walking their own walk, but walking in harmony and unity together, experiencing that synergistic authority and power that happens when a husband and wife discover the real meaning why God brought them together to share a spiritual bond in Christ. 
If every member of the church would do that Monday through Saturday, we'd have Holy Ghost overflow when we gathered on Sunday. There'd be no trying. You would never have a service where you're trying to enter in because people would come in. Right? They would come. You, you wouldn't be trying to get filled. Everyone would come sharing. Sharing. Because they're full. Why would that happen? Because Monday through Friday, they were at the altar of God in their own home. That's the secret to a powerful church, everybody. Let me talk for a moment about husbands and wives and single people. I'm not leaving you out because uh, you can find somebody to partner with in the things of God. Praise the Lord. So, but let me speak to husbands and wives for a moment and say to you, make Jesus Lord of your home. Not this is a Christian home because we believe in Jesus, but because our house is an altar. We practice the presence of God. We take the time to combine together in prayer. We bring down the blessing of God collectively together through our prayer together, through our praise together, through our confession together. We bring God's presence into our home. My, my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God, David writes in Psalm 84. And I don't believe that he was thinking about when I am at the tabernacle praising God on Saturday. I think he was talking about where I live. I am comfortable with God where I live. If you're not comfortable with God in your own house, you're going to feel awkward when you get together with God's people and praise and worship begins. Aren't you tired and weary of gathering and feeling that cool, brittle, awkward feeling when we start to enter into praise God and you just feel like you've, got, you've chipped off a couple gears off your wheel and you're just not connecting. Or you can sense it in the room. What is that? How do you put your finger on that? And I want to tell you more often than not, it's not sin. It's, it's not uh, uh, rebellion. It's just people who have not practiced the presence of God in their home. So what are we doing in our homes? What are we doing with our marriages? What are our marriages for? What's going on if we're not practicing the altar of God? <laughs> Hallelujah. If you would do that together, Monday through Saturday, if you would, my heart, my flesh, notice that you could sit down together and you could think praise to God together, no one's going to get edified. Satan's not going to flee. Jesus rebuked the devil. He used the word. A word is something that's spoken. Yes, it's okay to think the word, but you've got to open your mouth. And, and he said, my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. If you were to do that Monday through Friday, make it a practice in your home, did that together, why, God would turn your home into a castle of the kingdom of God. You'd be on God's spiritual map and whatever. What is your address, Glenn? Lakeview Road. Lakeview Road. Okay, what, there's a number there probably. Yes. What's that number? 1432. You didn't want to give that out, did you? You were afraid it might be the... 
So, okay, 1432 Lakeview Road, that there'd be a little light on God's map. God's got a, got a, a tactical map. He's got a tactical map up, on, up in heaven. The angels gather around it. You, you can just see them gathering. They've, they've got the little sandboard out, you know, where they've constructed a, the community. And uh, there's the angels with their coffee in the morning, looking over the assignments for the day. But right there, what's that number again? 14th, pray for my memory. 1432 Lakeview Road, there'd be a light there and there would be a little, a little plastic castle. The angel would be, what's that for? Oh, that's because that's Glenn and Kim have made an altar. That house is an altar for God. You see, it's not an altar for God because Christians live there. It's an altar for God because the married couple that live there Worship, praise for joy, and pray together and welcome the presence of God into that house. Hallelujah. And uh, trust me, the devil knows where those castles are. So if you would do that, God would turn your house into a castle. Guess what? You would be the king and queen of your castle. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, don't feel like you're the king of your castle, the queen of your castle? How many have brought some children's into the world? And sometimes you feel like they are the rulers of your castle. Mom and dad, you are supposed to be the king and queen of your castle. King and queen in, in the biblical sense of the word, ruling and reigning in Christ, the agape and the love of God flowing through you. As the scripture says, ruling your house with love and with peace. Not, as a, not needing to, you know who tyrants, people that rule as tyrants, do you know why they do that? Because they don't have God. They don't have Jesus. The Holy Spirit's not operating in them, so they've got to come up with some other stuff. And let me just say, if you're single, you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm a queen, but I kind of don't have anybody, no king in my castle here. Find somebody. God will give you somebody to partner with. Find God's prayer partner for you. It may be more than one. You may need to join a house gathering or find yourself a friend. Make it a priority. If you're single and living alone, find somebody in your life that you can confide in and that shares faith with you, that you can begin to practice praying and worshiping God together. It's so important that you begin to discipline yourself to pray out loud and to praise God out loud in the presence of somebody else that you are sharing that experience with. I will bless the Lord together. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually in my mouth, continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, <coughs> oh magnify the Lord with me and let us what? Exalt his name. What? Together. Together, there's a synergistic quality to the anointing to the presence of God. And so as a single person, God hasn't brought a, a married uh, person, a mate into your life. Find that person and then use that relationship for you to worship at the altar of God together. Praise the Lord. Remember, a threefold cord is not easily broken. You, me, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen, never ever allow the devil to stifle the atmosphere of your home. To gag you with spiritual self-consciousness in your own house. 
There are too many Christians walking around. They are self-conscious in their own house. They feel embarrassed. They don't feel comfortable praising God in front of their husband or in front of their wife. See, that's a, that's a marriage that needs work. You know, I, I can't believe the amount of books and material and everything that are out there that are addressed at helping the romantic and the physical sexual relationships of like that was the most important thing in marriage. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's important. But, but look at where people's minds are. Am I ringing a bell here this morning? Look at where people's minds are. The most important, most valuable thing in your life is your spiritual life. And when God brings a husband and wife together, let me tell you, the devil fights the two of you using your relationship to forge that king and queen at the altar of God. He fights that more than anything else. And he will let you succeed in every other area as long as you don't try to succeed in that area. So don't ever let the devil gag you in your own house. I mean, I'm using these phrases because I want you to get a little ticked off this morning. I want you to sit there and listen to me, and I want you to think, you know what? I'm gagged in my own house. I, I am stifled. I feel stifled, and i got nobody to blame but myself. I haven't bothered to take the initiative with my wife and say, come on, honey, let's just take three minutes and declare the Word of God over this situation. Come on, honey, let's come together, and let's stand on the Word and thank God. You don't do that. Guess what happens? You feel awkward. You're gagged, you're stifled. You can lie to yourself if you want, tell, you, tell me that you're not, but you are. Because if praise and worship and the freedom to declare the glory of God and speak the word of God over your situation in your own house, I mean, my gosh, if you should be free, it ought to be in your own house. You did pay the rent this month, right? You are paying on the mortgage. You own that house? You own that house? Do you have a right to do what you want to do in your own house? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Psalm 147, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely in the King James. Now, the last time you saw your wife... You probably, and you thought she really looked nice. She probably didn't say, "Hun, you look comely. She'd probably look at you like, why, look, look at that. That is such a comely picture. Well, the word comely, uh, we translate it. it. It's an old English term. It used to be quite common. It meant lovely or beautiful. But in the original Hebrew text, it literally means to be at home, to be at home with. Think of your favorite easy chair. Throw your feet up, relax. It's a chair you read in or you watch TV or whatever it is that you do. It's where you feel most comfortable. That's comely. That's what comely means. Think about it. And so the Bible says praise is comely or praise is to be at home with God. You're not at home with God just because you're a Christian living at, what was that address again? No, just kidding. Uh, I'll use mine, 2356 Varsity Drive. Bleep that from the uh, thing. 2356 Forest City Drive. Hey, just because a Christian lives there doesn't mean that God is in that house. 
or that, I, that I'm at home with God there. I'm not at home with God there until I am using my freedom, my liberty, to go around that house praising the Lord. Till I'm grabbing my wife saying, come on, let's pray and agree. When trouble knocks on the door, the first thing we do is stress and worry and say to one another, oh me, what are we going to do? We need to do something about this. Or the phone call comes from one of the kids and they've done something else that's dumb. Or, or whatever the case is. But you and I need to set the tone in our house. And guess what? Praise with my flesh and my heart is comely. To, if you want to be at home with God, learn to begin to praise God together. Develop that relationship. So I asked the question earlier. It was a little bit rhetorical, but we'll answer it anyway. What are most Christians doing in their homes? I mean, if we're not reigning over our castle... If it's not a castle of the kingdom, what is it? What is our home? Well, I personally think that most Christians are satisfied if their home is a place of um, just relative peace and prosperity. If, if I can achieve a place where I can get away from the hustle and bustle, I can go in, shut the door, oh, I've got it the way I, I've got the furniture I like, I've got the food I like. I have relative prosperity. I've got my provisions. I feel safe here behind these walls. I'm a little comfortable. Hey, most Christians satisfied. They feel like I have achieved what a home, the purpose of a home is. But listen to me. The devil effectively stalks and hunts Christian souls in the fertile grasslands of peace and prosperity. And don't you think he doesn't? Because we become dependent on natural comfort and routine, the comfort of routine, rather than God's presence. And so in our own home, we allow the devil to lull us into a false sense of security because routine, because relative safety or relative prosperity. We've laid in a stock. In my house, that would be my, what gives me that feeling is we've laid in a giant bag of corn chips and a big fresh thing of salsa. We've got some avocado. So everything, it don't matter. The world can fall apart. Government can go out of its mind. But guess what? I've got my chips and salsa, and it's all good. I'm safe. I close the door, put them in the oven, man, pull them out. I'm great, man. Everything's fine. The devil robs the real purpose of our home by allowing us to settle for that physical comfort and that routine. Psalm 91, you're familiar with, says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can resist. That's so good, I'm going to repeat it again. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. Oh, I want to be there. Wherever that is, I, I want to be there. If you remain in God's presence and if you maintain His presence in your home, you'll abide under the shade of His favor in public. When you go out of your house, the shade of His presence will go with you. But if you don't abide in your own house, if you don't use your relationship with your wife or with your husband, to have that synergistic power and anointing, you're not going to see favor working in your relationships outside the home. 
That's where it begins. God works from the roots. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. You know, I, I don't want to be negative, but I have to say that Satan is able to block more spiritual advancement in the kingdom of God and introduce more strife in people's lives and oppression by simply keeping married couples in a state of awkwardness together rather than single strategy. By, by you allowing your marriage to have that degree of spiritual awkwardness where you both go your own way, you have your own little, and by the way, you should all have your own little Bible study, your own little devotional, your own prayer life, but not at the expense of coming together and sitting on the throne as king and queen of your castle and dictating the terms of the covenant over your house. Somebody say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And if you're a single person, glory to God, it's less complicated. <laughs> Enjoy it while you have it. Call a friend up on the phone and say, Margaret, let's pray together. Your house and my house. Do that. But make that connection. Because authority is nothing if you don't use it. Having authority does not defeat the devil. Using authority defeats the devil. Remember that. That's worth the price of the message right there. Praise the Lord. So, I say this morning, husbands and wives unite. Husbands and wives unite. Make it your daily goal. Now here we're going we're to go from preaching to meddling. Make it your daily goal to practice agape on one another. Practice loving each other. When is the last time, just be honest, open your heart and ask yourself, do you daily think about your husband or your wife, your spouse, and study them and think, what makes her happy? What makes him thrilled? Is there still a motive in you is there still a motive inside you that wants to excite your husband or your wife? And, and you know, one of the, <laughs> might as well tell the truth, one of the things early on in our marriage was uh, every time there was like a Valentine's Day or a birthday or, a, you know, any event like that, I'd go out, we had no money, really. We had, uh, we had no pot to cook in or a window to throw it out of. And uh, so it was really hard to scrape together a couple of bucks and go buy a Hershey's bar, a giant one, and say, here, hon, I love you. But um, the problem is, is on those special occasions, I'd drag home something I'd wrap up and give to her because I wanted her to have that. But it wasn't something that she was interested in. <laughs> it, it, I, I was always giving Kathy stuff she didn't want. But it's because it's what I wanted her to want. Anyone get what I'm talking about? I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. But just use your imagination. Just use your imagination. Listen, real love lays down its life for that other person. And, you know, that marriage of yours can be so powerful in Christ that Satan's afraid of it. 
Satan's afraid of your home. He's afraid of what you're doing in there. He's afraid of you. And when the two of you, at the beginning of the day, after you've had your time together, go your separate ways, you go with the united power and authority that God's given you. And whatever rises up against you at work or wherever you have to go, you are uh, walking under an anointing that is the combined authority of a castle of the kingdom of God. And, and how many husbands and wives are stressed out and truly broken and secretly unhappy because they feel like they're going through everything alone? You've let it get away from you. You've let it get away from you. you that's not what God said the two should be one. And the problem is you are trying to fix the problem through emotional and physical breakdowns. Those emotional and physical breakdowns are happening because there's a spiritual breakdown. Get that spiritual breakdown fixed first. Start with prayer. Begin to come together and make the Word of God an altar in your home and share that time with one another. Praise the Lord. Stop letting Satan use every little offense and idiosyncrasy uh, in your spouse to keep the king and queen from uniting their authority and defeating him. He doesn't want the two of you to be the king and queen of faith over your castle. He can't penetrate that castle, but he can, cut, he can kick the front door of your house wide open, walk in anytime he wants to, as long as you and the king or you and the queen are not sitting on the throne and ruling your house with worship, hallelujah, and with the word of God. I would say this is the last thing and then we're going to pray. Unity, unity is the kingdom force multiplier in the kingdom of God. Do you know what a force multiplier is? In the simplest terms, a force multiplier is something that takes whatever weapons you have, whatever strategy you have, and it adds a multiplying factor to it so that it becomes exponentially effective against the enemy. That's a force multiplier. Unity is the force multiplier in the kingdom of God. One can put to flight a thousand. A hundred can put to flight ten thousand, the scripture tells us. Unity is that force multiplier, so use it to drive out every demonic trespasser off your property. You need to stake out your front yard with a spiritual sign that says, Satan, not welcome. No trespassing. And you know what? That's not going to do you a bit of good if you don't get up every day and enforce it. Amen. Put it out there and then enforce it every single day. Every single day, the king and queen ought to grab their coffee and go to their throne and sit before the king of kings. You see, it's okay to call yourself a king and queen because Jesus is the king of kings and queens. Glory to God. The people under him are kings and queens. Hallelujah. In his kingdom. And so, grab your king and queen, grab your coffee, climb up on your throne and assert, turn that sign on out there. You got a spiritual electric fence? Turn that bad boy on. Turn on that spiritual bug zapper. Every devil that tries to fly onto your property, bzz, fry them. Fry them. Hallelujah. Use the unity that God has given you.
Because it says in Psalm 133 in verse 1, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren, husbands and wives, single people have united, people, brethren, that word brethren, we're going to stretch it to include those relationships. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Ooh, hallelujah. You mean there's a standing order? There is a standing blessing, a standing order at the throne of God ready to be enacted over your life the very second you enter that qualifying activity of unity. You come together in unity, immediately the Lord has commanded the blessing. The Bible says there where you use that unity, God has commanded the blessing. That means you don't have to get down and dirty and wrestle with the devil. The more you worship and praise God together, Satan is flying off your property. If, if there's zips in the wire and the enemy has entered your headquarters and you're in hand-to-hand combat in your house, it doesn't have to stay that way. Be encouraged. The minute you begin to make your home an altar, get on your knees, begin to repent, bring God's order back into your house. Get before those of the Lord. I have no idea what to do except to turn to you. Great. Because every step from that point is one downhill. You're starting right at the right spot. Get on your knees. Come together and say, Lord, right now, show us how to get on that throne and take back our house. I'm telling you, Holy Ghost will sweep your house. He will sweep your house. So there is a blessing. There's a blessing if you'll turn your home into the altar of God. If you'll do it, there's a standing order. And I want to read that blessing to you because we're going to pray. And I want to speak that blessing over you. So I'd like you to stand with me this morning. And again, remember, this is not just married couples. This is single people. This is everybody. Find somebody that you can unite with in faith. Now, I told you uh, we opened up with um, Psalm 84, 1 through 3. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home in the swallow, a nest uh, for herself, where she may lay your young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. The very next verse begins the blessing for those that are in unity and harmony who make their home an altar. And it continues on and says, Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are those who dwell in your house and in your presence. They will be singing your praises all day long. Blessed is the one whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of weeping, they turn it into a place of springs, The early rain also fills the pools with blessings. They go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appear before God in Zion. Wow. Hallelujah. Wouldn't you like to write that in your journal every day? What was it like on Tuesday? Well, there it is. I was going from strength to strength. I was going through some dry places, but as I passed through them, God turned them into springs. Hallelujah. And uh, glory to God, I am ever singing His presence wherever I go. 
Stop saying to yourself, I wish I was one of those kind of Christians, but you know, I'm, I'm just really not there yet. Stop cheating yourself. You're there. Let yourself be there. The Lord's there waiting for you. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen. I love the fact, I love the fact that this person, when they leave the presence of God, the presence of God goes with them. And when they walk through those dry valleys of the world, God blesses where they're at. Those, thing, those valleys turn into pools. Hallelujah. You talk about evangelism. There's the secret. Remember, the secret of a powerful church are strong Christians. And Satan's secret weapon is to defeat the church, fight the believers at home. It won't work. It won't work. Hallelujah. It won't work if you make your home God's altar. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning and just kind of, if you're married, take your spouse by the hand and <laughs> no grabbing another spouse. Keep your <laughs> And we want to pray over your house this morning. Now, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, there's so much work to be done. Let me tell you, the Lord moves fast. He is amazingly quick. All you have to do is let that heart open up. Father God, right now, as men and women are searching their hearts before you, and we are expressing to you as a body of believers and as individuals and as couples and as single people wanting to partner with another believer in faith. As we come before you, Father, we want our home to be a place of peace, of grace, of power, a place where Satan is defeated, afraid to step his foot on our property. Heavenly Father, as we do that, we realize that it's not our physical address, but it's we the people who live there. In fact, it's our heart. It's how we treat one another. It's how we study each other. Have we made the most important project of our life to study that person we have covenanted with and to serve them and to bless them and to make sure that they are blessed because if they're not blessed, ain't nobody blessed. And if we would bless our spouse, we'd be blessing ourselves. Father God, I am praying first for healing right now. I'm praying for healing. Lord, those deep ravines, those crevices, oh God, of separation and of pain. Lord, many of them simply are the way they are because they've been allowed to exist for so many years. Time, Lord, has acted as a, as a hardener. But you, O oh Lord, are the God who holds time in the palm of your hand. And Father, I'm asking you that the wounds that time has opened up, that you would close them. I pray for forgiveness. I pray for grace. I pray that love will be rekindled. Where shall I get the love? My heart's gone cold, you might say. It comes from the Father. Let agape be the love. First in your heart, 
Show me, Lord, the way to love my spouse. Show me the way to lift up my queen, to lift up my king. Father God, heal these relationships. Send your anointing. I pray for the single people right now. Father God, there is somebody somewhere. It may be a family member. It may be a friend. It may be a small group where confidence and unity can be achieved, where they can come and be open and learn to express joy before the Lord. Oh, it is so important. Father God, provide, if it's not already there, provide those relationships for our single people, Father God. Unite them with people that they can share faith and share that altar with in Jesus' name. Bless their homes. Pour out your presence and anointing in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. And right now, this last thing while we are still praying, if you yourself are there as we're praying and you're not right with God, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you haven't received Jesus as your Savior. Let's take care of that right now. That's, that's where the, uh, the healing needs to begin is between you and God. Ask the Father to forgive you for your sins. Ask Him to send the Holy Spirit into your life. Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Stop holding back that door. Open it and let the Lord come in. Do it now. Why put it off another day? He is the answer for your life. And so say, Father, come. Bring Jesus into my life. I receive you. I bow before you. Send your Spirit, Father God. And draw those who have been out of fellowship. Bring them back into communion with you. I pray for the courage to do the right thing and to seek you and to start, Lord, before your face. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Now I want you to put uh, your other hand, if you're holding your spouse's hand, all over your heart. And I want you to make this proclamation with me this morning. We're going to... We're going to erect that no trespassing sign over your property. Does that sound good? You might not have a no trespassing sign in your yard that the devil can read. God knows how to put it there. We're going to do that right now, all right? So I want you to say this with me. Satan, my house, my marriage, my life is off limits. I live as a child of God, under the blood of Jesus Christ, I have a covenant with God. I am king or queen. I am the king of my house. And my house is off limits to you, to your strategies. None of your weapons shall succeed against me. We agree. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He is Lord over your life.